Welcome to the Self-Publishing School Podcast. This is the podcast to listen to if you're an aspiring writer or an author who wants to be more successful. On this show, you'll learn how to write and launch a book successfully, all from the top authors and people just like you who are doing it at the highest level. I'm your host, Chandler Volt, the founder of Self-Publishing School, the author of the book called Published, and the CEO of selfpublishing.com. For free training on how to publish a book that sells 10,000 copies, go to selfpublishing.com forward slash free training. Hey, Chandler Bolt here, and joining me today is Gabrielle Stone. Uh, Gabrielle is no uh, stranger to the world of entertainment. Uh, she grew up on set with her legendary mom, Dee Wallace. You may know her from Kuho or E.T., uh, she's also the host of the FML Talk podcast and the author of multiple books, including Eat, Pray, Hashtag FML, and The Ridiculous Misadventures of a Single Girl, among other books. This is going to be a fun one. Uh, we're going to talk ready. about books, <laughs> podcasts, all the things. All the Gabrielle, things. Welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. So I guess, uh, first and foremost, why, why did you decide to write your first book? Well, my book kind of happened to me. I was working in LA as an actress and a director at the time. I had not written anything except a short screenplay that had done really well. That's obviously wildly different from a book. Um, And it really happened because of what went down in my personal life. So I was married for almost two years, found out my husband was having an affair with a 19-year-old for six months, among a lot of other extramarital issues that were happening at the time. And I filed for divorce and left. Shortly after that, I met a guy and we fell madly in love with each other and had this whirlwind romance of like, meet my family, have my babies, like the whole fairy tale dream. And he invited me on a month-long trip to Italy. 48 hours before getting on the plane, he told me he needed to go by himself and broke up with me. And I was absolutely devastated. This man broke my heart like my ex-husband never could have done. And I had a decision to make, and that was either stay at home heartbroken or go travel Europe for a month by myself. So I took my backpack and I did six countries over the span of a month and wrote Eat, Pray, FML while I was on the trip. Why a book though? Like, I mean, <laughs> if you got the experience in movies and directing and screenplay writing, like, why not just make this into a movie? You know, the second I found out I was taking this trip by myself, it was almost like I heard what I needed to do. And it was like, I have to write about this because mm-hmm. my life had become this like weird horror movie mixed with a sitcom. And I was like, whatever I'm going to learn on this trip is going to be really powerful and really impactful in my life. And if I can share that with others, maybe it will help them heal some things that are going on in their life as well. And I've got to be honest, from the moment I decided I was going to write about it, I saw the very clear path of it. I was like, I'm going to write the book. It's it's going to be successful. It's going to help a lot of people around the world. And then I'm going to take it to the screen. Like it, it was mm. very, very clear in how the the plan was going to go. Um, and it's been really exciting to see a lot of that come to fruition. And has it, has it went to, has it, you turned into a movie yet? It's in the very early stages of it. Yeah. Ooh, that's exciting. <laughs> yeah. And so- how, uh, oh man, I got so many questions. <laughs> the first one is like maybe big picture, then we'll talk book one and we'll kind of work our way through. Like, 
big picture, I feel like you you're like you're you title things in a very provocative way that's very attention grabbing. Um, and I feel like it's attention grabbing but it's also compelling. It's clear. It's all those things. And I think a lot of times people can shy away from that. How, how did you decide like whether to do that, whether to not? Yeah. What was kind of the thought process behind that? Well, it's interesting because really a lot of that has to do with publishing versus self-publishing. I think the reason why a lot of people shy away from that is because publishing companies will say, oh, that's not really marketable or that's too much. I came back from Europe and had written the full book in two and a half months flat, which I can tell you from writing the sequel is wildly fast and was pitching it to publishers and, you know, had it in my head of like, this has to go to one of the big five. It's going to be huge. Like it needs to be in every store. And each place we took it to was, "Mm, it's a little racy. Uh, I think it's too much. Oh, I don't know if there's a big enough audience for it, which was a really funny one. Cause that's like what every woman everywhere and men that want to heal too, but okay. Um, and you know, we wanted to take out some of the profanity in it, or you should shorten it all things of which I didn't want to do. And I knew that if I released the book in my authentic way, that's how it was going to resonate with people. And I think the titles to answer your question come in full circle of that. So I knew when I was going on this trip, I had never seen Eat, Pray, Love. I had never read the book. I went in the night I got broken up with and was like, might as well watch this movie if I'm going to Europe and like sat there with my jaw open thinking, oh my God, this is like literally my life right now. And I had always, you know, uh, we can't say it on this podcast, but I had always said FML, like, you know, F my life. And it just hit me. I was like, this isn't eat, pray, love for me. This is eat, pray, FML. And it, it really just became its own thing. I knew the title before I left on the trip. I bought a leather bound journal the day before I left, started writing in that journal the first day of the trip. And if you open up the journal, it's like chapter one. It's it's written very closely to how the finished book ended up being published. And I, I think I just, it, it was a very clear thing that like, this is what I was supposed to be doing. And all of the stuff I had gone through was leading me to be able to write this book. Yeah. So did you, did you end up self-publishing? Pretty sure I did. Should... Yeah, I did. So I, how did you I come sh- to that conclusion? I shopped it to all of the big five publishers, got a bunch of no's. Some were like, well, we'll take another look if you do A, B, and C. And I was like, not willing to do those things. And then luckily, um, I was introduced to another self-published author by a mutual friend of ours. And she kind of became my mentor in self-publishing. Her name is Kelly Randis. She wrote the best-selling book, Spilled Milk, that she self-published. And um, she really made it clear how not only it was possible to self-publish, but how successful you could be self-publishing. And I know now from going through the process twice that the difference of what you can make financially when you are a self-published author versus when you are with a company is so drastic. Like it it can be life-changing numbers. Like releasing Mm. Eat, Pray, FML as a self-published author financially changed my life. I was mm. able to buy a home in LA, which if you know LA prices, <laughs> that's unheard of. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and it really, 
it, it it gave me so much more control over the process. I got to shoot my own cover. I got to decide yeah. when the book was going to be released. Um, and I think what people don't realize about publishing companies is that unless you're Chelsea Handler or one of the bachelorettes or like someone with a notable name, they're not going to put marketing money behind you. They'll, right. you know, pay for an editor and put your book on a shelf, but then you know, people have to walk into that store, look at all the thousands of books, g- have their eye caught to yours and then decide to like pick it up, see if they want it and then buy it. That's yeah. a l- long process to go through to, in hopes that someone's going to buy it. So they still expect you to do all of the marketing for your own book. And I'm like, mm-hmm. why on earth would I be paying someone so much of my sales if I have to do all the footwork anyways to make it successful? It didn't make any sense to me. Preach. <laughs> yeah, I, I completely agree with that. It's like, it, well, I mean, first off, unless you have a massive audience, they're not going to give you an advance, right? right? And 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 especially not an advance that's going to make it make sense. And if you can sell like you've sold this book, it's certainly not going to be more than you make. It, uh, interesting quote. Um, there's a guy named Michael Hyatt. I don't know if you know of him. He He's a mentor and advisor of mine. He used to run a company, uh, pub, one of the publishing companies, Thomas Nelson. He said... I thought this is kind of interesting. It's like, all right, if you take out a loan for a million dollars, you work for the bank. Mm-hmm. If you take out a loan for a hundred million dollars, the bank works for you. Right. And, and kind of the similar, uh, the similarity in, in publishing. Like if you get a, you know, small middle-sized deal, you work for the publisher. Yeah. If, if you have a big enough audience that you get a massive book deal, well, then they work, then they actually work for you. Right. right. Because they're like, Hey, we got to make our money back. So like, we right. got to get them in this book. Absolutely. And it's like, you know, with the advance, because I I took a deal on my first audiobook for Eat Pray FML because I had no idea what I was doing. I was like, I'm I know nothing about doing an audiobook and producing it. Um, so I took a deal for that and I got a small advance, which is like unheard of for a first-time author, but the book was doing well already. Uh-huh. And I did the audiobook with them. Let me tell you, <laughs> I did my second book, the sequel, The Ridiculous Misadventures of a Single Girl. I did that audiobook independently. Cost me three thousand dollars to do the whole process, to go into a professional studio, work with a, an audio engineer, do the entire book. It was longer than the first book. Three thousand dollars. I made that back and then some in the first week that sequel came out. The checks I get for Eat Pray FML for the audiobook are so incredibly disturbing when you're like, cool, you did really well this month. The book netted like $74,000. Here's a check for seven grand. And you're like, I'm sorry, what? Like it's astronomical how much of a percentage they're taking. The The audiobook that I, I did on my own, it, it brings in more money than the first one does simply because I'm not paying wow. royalties on it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's really interesting. So, I mean, I would assume, I would assume if you were going back to do it, you would, you would self-publish the audiobook as well on the, on the first book. 100%. I mean, to be fair, it's very daunting to go and do that on your own. Um, oh, yeah. If you, before you really like do the research and like figure out how possible it is, but yeah, when that contract's up, I'll definitely <laughs> be going in to re-record it myself. Yeah. Oh, interesting. So you sold limited audiobook, right? So that's a limited, that's a time bound contract. Yeah, I believe it. I might be speaking out of turn right now, but I believe it's seven years from okay. when they, they initially published it. Um, and I actually recently, there were things in the book. This is another great thing of self-publishing, um, that I wanted to change like a few, you know, words that 
weren't sitting right with people. Um, I wanted to like take a paragraph out. I also wanted to like add in the end of the book, like, hey, you can read what happened after Europe in the sequel and kind of plug mm. that. Um, mm-hmm. And it's easy on when you're self-publishing, you can just like do it on your your Word doc and re-upload it to KDP and then it publishes on Amazon. Um, but it's not easy when you are in a contract with a publishing company. So I had to like have my manager call and be like, look, this book makes you guys a lot of money. Let her come in and re-record for one day. It'll cost you guys like 500 bucks. Like let her come in, do the pickups and like republish the the audiobook. And they finally like approved it and let me go in to do it. Mm, nice. That's so I guess takeaway here too, and this is something that not a lot of authors know in general, much less first-time authors, is negotiate the audiobooks rights separately. Yeah. <laughs> Even oh, if you yeah. traditionally publish your your you know, the book, the Kindle, ebook, print book, all that stuff, you can carve out the audiobook rights in your deal and you can record separately or you can negotiate those separately. And so that's kind of a that's kind yeah. of a cool takeaway from there. Yeah. As well. And it's it's honestly as daunting as it might seem to like, I don't know how to do an audiobook, it's really it was the same exact process I did with the company. Like you go in, you're, <laughs> yes. you're there for five to seven days, you're recording everything, you're with an audio engineer, that's it. It's mm-hmm. the same exact process. You're just doing it on your own and then you upload it on your own. Like the, <laughs> the engineer yeah. does it all. And it, my book was my, the, the book that I did independently was quite long. Um, it's like upwards of 300 pages. And I did it for $3,000. So most books aren't going to cost you that crazy of an amount to, to put up front. And I promise you it's so worth it when you're seeing those, like those residuals come in every month. Agreed. And you get those bounties, right? You know, something not a lot of people know about is, you know, someone signs up for audible and your book is the first book that they purchase as part of that free trial. They stay on audible as a subscriber, I think for one month or something, and you get 50, 75, a hundred bucks. Yeah, they get there's a lot of incentives on it. Um, and you don't see any of that if your book's with a company. No doubt. And and one thing, I don't know if you do this, but if not, it might be a helpful ad, is I I create a short link. It's published. So for my book, it's publishedbook.com forward slash audiobook. Um, but then mm. you can send people there and then that short link redirects to kind of the the bounty link, the audible. Oh, smart. You have a podcast too. So it's like, if you send people that way, then it's just, I mean, and and the pitch is you can get the audiobook for free because they can either they sign up for an audible trial or you use a credit. (laughs) And so either way um, you can just get the book without having to pay anything. And so it's just like kind of a cool way to, to use that bounty program. That's really smart. I have not tapped into that. That's a really good idea. Yeah, no, no worries. So self-published author, first time author, how in the world did you sell so many copies of this book? <laughs> I mean, that's um, impressive. Thank you. I appreciate it. So full transparency, when I first launched this book, it was June of 2019 when Eat, Pray, FML came out. I only had like 11, 12,000 followers on Instagram. It was like nothing crazy or substantial. Um and definitely not enough to sell the amount of books that I've now sold. Um, and I put it out, I think it maybe did 500 to 550 copies in the first week. I'm sure 150 of those were my friends or people that knew me or people that wanted, you know, to know the drama of what I had been talking about for the past year. Um, but, and then it stole, it sold consistently, you know, um, every, every month it would, 
do, I don't know, 10 to 15 copies a week. Sometimes it was five copies, like nothing crazy for the first year. Um, and then the pandemic started and everybody started getting on TikTok. And I was like, oh God, I don't want to get on another social media app. It's all these kids dancing. Like, this is so dumb. And then the pandemic kept going and I was really bored. So I downloaded TikTok for purely entertainment purposes to watch all these videos because there's some really great content on there. And my mentor, who I had mentioned, um, was on TikTok talking about her book and selling like crazy because her book was going or all these videos she was doing were going viral. And I was like, oh, okay, maybe there's something to this. If I can figure out a smart way to have some of these videos go viral, it could be directly linked to book sales. Um, and it's really important that when you adventure into the social media um, marketing realm, that your book is live and you have a direct place where people can go and buy it. Like they don't want to see it and be like, oh, it comes out in two weeks. Great. I'll come back to the page then. Like people are so <laughs> short, short fuse energy. So you have to really be like, oh, this looks awesome. Click Amazon. going to go buy it. Um, and I had maybe 400 followers on TikTok at the time. Um, and I was like kind of down on myself. I'm like, who am I even posting to? Like, who's even going to see this? Like, I don't know. And I went to bed one night. I posted a, a video at like 11 PM, which is like not technically prime time. Who knows what the algorithm is doing? Um, and went to sleep, woke up the next morning and it was at almost a million views. And all the comments were like, oh my God, I have to read this book. Oh my God, can you make this a movie? Oh my God, like I just bought the book. And because I self-published, I could go on to my KDP backend and see how the numbers were spiking from the video going uh, viral. Yep. I've now been on TikTok for the last two years. Anytime I have a video go viral, you can see the direct correlation with how many books are selling. Um, it's marketing that you cannot pay for. It's better than, although I do recommend like being on podcasts um, that have a good following. That's always a great way to kind of like get the story out. Um, it's better than being on podcasts. It's better than like paying for an advertisement somewhere like millions and millions of people when a video goes viral all over the world are seeing this content and then choosing to go buy your book. So not only has it skyrocketed my book sales, but I now have fans that are in Africa and are in New Zealand and like are all over the world that are either buying the paperback version, buying it on Kindle, then coming to discover me, listening to the podcast. And it's kind of all filtered into what now is this like brand that I've built. That's awesome. So, I mean, I'm assuming TikTok is the number one driver of book sales or is there other stuff as well? Or do you feel um, like TikTok got it into orbit and then it kind of took on a life of its own or... Yeah, I think it was it was doing well and it was finding people just from being being available on Amazon I think just because like the cover is really kind of interesting and like I'm drinking wine and like throwing divorce papers in the air and like the title's catchy um it was finding people in that sense I did a few bigger podcasts um that I could see would help the book sales because then you know you can go on and be relatable and tell the story and people connect with you and they're like okay I want to read that um but TikTok is really what blew it 
to the next level and has continued to, to do that. Um, what's nice about when you have a video or a couple of videos go viral, they continuously are being seen by people. So even on the days where it gets slow, I'm still selling 20 copies just from people discovering random videos that are circulating mm -hmm. online. Hey, Chandler Bolt here. I hope you're loving this episode so far. It's time to go from inspiration to implementation. All right, so if you've learned something, we wanna help you implement what you've learned with your book. So what I want you to do right now is go to selfpublishing.com forward slash schedule, book a publishing consultation with one of the experts on my team. We'll talk about your goals for your book, your dreams, your challenges, your next steps, and we'll start putting together a plan. All right, so go to selfpublishing.com forward slash schedule, book a call with the team. Let's see how we can help with your book. It's time to implement. So let's break down some of the TikTok stuff. I guess, first off, you think that's topical? Like what do to you your mean? Book? Like, do you, th do you think the fact that TikTok has done so well is because it's relatable? Basically, like, mm. you know, asking the question that a lot of people watching this or listening to this might be thinking, it's like, do I even have a chance? Right, right. <laughs> um, so, look, I've book talk <laughs> on TikTok. There's yeah. a whole section yeah. of book talk. It's huge. Yeah. It's it's brought back books that were released 10 years ago that are now like topping bestseller lists because of TikTok. Um so I've seen really creative ways where authors will go on and they'll pretend that they're talking about their real life. And they're like, so uh, story time, I want to tell you about the time that like, da, 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 da. And they go into this whole crazy thing, but it's really the summary of their book. And at the end, they're like, so this didn't really happen to me, but you can read about it in da, 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 da. Now, those will find the audience of readers who are book people and will vibe mm -hmm. with that. What's been special about my content is it finds readers, but it also finds people that relate to just my story. I have so many readers that DM me and they're like, I have not read a book since high school and I read this in two days. So mm -hmm. it reaches people and it's making people buy it that aren't readers, which is really important. Um, and that's because the way I put out my videos, I always make the book an afterthought. So most of my videos are like, you know, the the synopsis of my story in some way or some form of that and really hooking people into, oh my God, her husband cheated on her with a 19 year old. Wait. And then she met this guy and then she went to Europe. And then the afterthought is, oh, and I wrote a book about it. Sometimes I won't even say the name of the book in the video because then it makes it feel like I'm trying to sell you something. Mm. And then people will go to the comments and be like, wait, wait, what's the book called? And then you answer there or other people will start to chime in and answer. So it's like a smart way of marketing it to be relatable and interesting and hook people, but not make them feel like, Hey, I'm here to sell you something. Please buy yeah. this. <laughs> yeah. That makes sense. And so now there's like, you got kind of like a nonfiction example, which is your example. And then the fiction example, which is the, Hey, this crazy story happened. And Oh wait, that's not me. That's actually my book. You can read it. Check out the book kind of thing. Totally. What, um, is there any rhyme or reason to, or, you know, kind of like a process for making a video that's has a high likelihood of being more successful on TikTok or going viral? 
God, I wish I could answer that. <laughs> it's like the the question that everybody is continuously course, answering, yeah. including creators that are on the app. They're like, what makes a video go viral? Why is this one successful versus this one? I have no idea. However, I will tell you that on my page specifically, now, you know, when you have a video that goes viral, you're automatically now in a niche. And that can be a blessing or a curse. If you posted a video about this is how I chop lettuce and now everybody on your page (laughs) only wants to see how you do things with lettuce, that's not great if you're trying to sell a book. Um, So I got really lucky in the sense that when my first video went viral, it was about my story, about the divorce, about the Europe trip, about the book. And so now anything that's under that umbrella on my page usually does pretty well. Does that mean it's going to blow up and get like, you know, millions and millions of views? No. But if I post something about my dogs, people are like, cool. It'll like rack up some views, but not really that much. The second I start a video and say, so my husband cheated on me, it's automatically going to do better. So once you figure out what your niche is, that's kind of what you need to stick into. And you just have Mm -hmm. to be very careful that the first kind of like the content that you're putting out at first is somewhere in where you're wanting it to be. That makes sense. And so do you have kind of like three to five best practices that you try to nail with any video? I mean, I'm sure it's probably second nature now because you've created, you've been creating videos on the platform for years, but are there any kind of best practices for people who are they haven't done it before? Um, I would say find other creators that are in your wheelhouse of what you're trying to do. So like if you're an author that wrote something nonfiction, come look at my videos on my page, go to my mentor's page, Kale Randis, um, some of her older stuff uh, where she was really posting about the book. Go to people's pages that have been successful in what you're trying to do or what you're trying to market. and for lack of better terms, copy those videos, like not obviously exactly, but take that idea and be like, how can I repurpose this into something that's related to my book or to my product or whatever you're trying to sell? Um, And it, it really is like, that's what TikTok is, is finding trends, being able to like copy them and make them your own. Um, Most of the videos that I've had go super viral were to stupid trends. So like the the one that went the most viral, I think is like upwards of 65 million. And that's on TikTok. Like it did like a hundred million on Instagram as well <laughs> across like different pages. Um, and it was literally a 15 second video of me in sweatpants in my backyard with my dog dancing, doing this stupid dance that was like one of the trends that was going around. But on the top of it, I wrote, a little snippet of my story. Like my husband had an affair with a 19 year old. He would, you know, bring her over to our house. Like some of the facts of the situation. I found out that he was telling her his name was Daniel. I filed for divorce. I wrote a book. I named his character, Daniel. That's the video. Like that's it. And it blew up and it sold a lot of books. And I didn't even mention the name of the, the book in the video. So it didn't feel like I was like, hey, I've got this book. Do you guys want to read it? It was like, <laughs> here's my crazy yeah. story. Oh, also, I wrote a book about it. Mm. That's that's like, I think, the sweet spot to try and hit. And so I was going to ask you about how do you create a how do you create a video that actually sells books? But you've kind of touched on that and answered that. It's just like 
it's it it seems like it's making it somewhat related to the book, but not so in your face that it's like, okay, this is a sales pitch for the book. Yeah, you make it kind of like an afterthought. Um, you want it to, you know, people also, I say this lovingly, people are dumb. So you don't want it to be too unobvious um, because there's still people that'll comment on videos where the name is in the book. And they're like, what's the name of the book? And I'm like, <laughs> it's literally in the video and you can click the, the my profile and it says author of, but it's fine. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I would say make it an afterthought and really like the most important part of doing promotional marketing TikTok videos is to hook someone in the first few seconds because that attention span, people are just on there scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. So you want to have them hooked in the first sentence or the first thing you say, or the first thing they read on screen. Um, that's really going to keep them there. Mm, that's good. And backtracking just a little bit for people who don't know what's, what, what is book talk? Book talk is a, I guess a section on TikTok. Um, but you can go to TikTok and and search book talk and it'll bring up all of these videos where people hashtag book talk or have anything to do with books on on book talk yeah. or on TikTok. Um yeah. and it's really it's done incredible things for for writers again from people that published years and years and years ago that probably thought their book was like all right, I mean even my mentor she released that book I think now like eight or nine years ago and like it's always done well but like 2020 was insane for her because mm. of tiktok mm. and do you do you use the the hashtag or tap into book talk on all your videos some of your videos none of your videos I, and this is my personal thing. Everyone's always trying to figure out what the algorithm's doing. Like, why do videos go viral? Should you use this hashtag? Like when TikTok first came out, everyone was like hashtagging for you page, but like that didn't put your video on people's for you page. Um, <laughs> I le I've done it on a few videos, but I lean more towards if I'm going to hashtag anything. And again, that video that did 64 million views, there were no hashtags. So like, there's no rhyme or reason to it. But if I'm going to do a hashtag, I'll do like divorce, heartbreak, healing, things that are more centered around that, because I'd rather have um, people who are going through those things um, or will relate to those things in mm -hmm. some way, um, find the video and then potentially read the book as opposed to just readers in general. Mm, that makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. Um, so I'll, I'll circle back to kind of a, I guess I alluded to this, but didn't directly ask it earlier. Do I have any, any chance as a dude who's, you know, writes about publishing? Like, is this, it, does this fit on book talk or like, what do you feel like? 100%. Um, so I actually have a video that I stitched for people that don't know what stitching is. It's when you find a video on someone else's account and then you want to comment on that video. So it's like you, you take the first ch like chunk, the first five seconds of their video, and then your video starts after. So the video I stitched was this girl going, so how does someone write a book? And then my video started and it was like, let me tell you how to do that. Step one. And I went through all the process. Every oh, time good. one of my videos goes viral, I always without fail, get the questions in the comments. I've wanted to write a book for so long. How do I do that? And 
I'm just not on the app to like explain to people the step-by-step process of how to write a book. Sometimes I'll do little videos answering like with some details, but yeah, like that would be a perfect area for you to step in and be like, Hey, this is my book on self-publishing. Let me tell you how to do it. You know, that's definitely everybody. I mean, I've taught, um, I think four or five master classes now um, on Zooms that were all sold out just on self-publishing and people wanting to know, like, I want to write a book. How do I do it? So there's yeah. a huge market for people that want to do that for sure. That's cool. So we, we've talked a lot about TikTok. What, what else? I mean, is there anything else that you feel like has been a big mover of books over the years? Uh, podcasts, but podcasts that not necessarily have a massive following, but have a really dedicated following that's specific to the type of content your book is. So I've gone on really big shows that I was like, oh my God, this is going to really do something and it doesn't do anything. And I've gone on smaller shows where they maybe get like 500 to a thousand downloads per episode. And a good percentage of those people go in and buy books because it's specific to what we're talking about on the show. Like, you know, if the show is centered around cheating or divorce or heartbreak or healing or self-love, like any of those. So I would say finding podcasts that are really specific to the content you're writing about and the people that you're trying to attract. Um, But that being said, like it's, it's really if you can go on any type of medium and connect with people. So podcasts, TikTok, Instagram stories, like whatever it is, um, radio interviews, and you're able to have an authentic conversation with people and really be like, look, this is who I am. This is what I've learned. And like, this is why you'll get something out of reading this book. Um, I think a lot of times not only authors, anyone that's selling something has this weird kind of, Ooh, I don't want to like sell too much. Like, I don't want to be like, Hey, you should really buy this. I have learned. And I think it's been really beneficial to me to let that go. Um, because I know when I make these dumb videos that go viral on TikTok that sell a ton of books, I don't feel bad because A, it's supporting me in my life, but B, anyone that reads this book is going to go on this great journey with me, have mm. a lot of fun, yeah. heal, and it's probably going to change their life. Yeah. So yeah, I'll I'll happily be like selling myself out on the internet. If people are healing and I'm getting the DMs every yeah. day about like, this book changed my life. Thank you so much for writing it. Absolutely. Like I'll continue to go on and, and sell my soul. Like- yeah. Why not? <laughs> yeah. Well, and when you believe in your product and you, and specifically with the book, it's like, if you believe that it's going to make people's lives better, well, yeah. sales is service. <laughs> yeah. It, it It is your moral obligation to do everything that you can to get them by the book. <laughs> it, it, literally exactly that. Yeah. What, what I love about hearing the story of your book is, you know, I talk about this concept of like the Lamborghini launch versus the Toyota Camry uh-huh. book. And and it's like everyone's focused with the Lamborghini launch, right? It's fast, it's sexy, shoo. But, but then it's gone. You use all yeah. this fuel, people focus on launch week and not launch year yeah. or on the long-term success of the book. And I think it's it's very interesting. I mean, 
Um, Hal Elrod, who's been a big promoter of of us and, you know, super successful self-published author like you, book called The Miracle Morning, same story, right? It's it's about the sales in in month three, in yeah. year two, in, in, in building a Toyota Camry. <laughs> yeah. Going and going and going. Absolutely. And I think it's really important for authors to also remember there's no expiration date on your book. Like I've had people in my life be like, okay, it's going so great right now. And like, you're killing it. But like, what about two years from now? What about five years from now? And my answer to them is like, what about it? Like, you think there's not going to be new people that continually discover the book or all the people that are like 16, 17, 18 that are now 25 aren't going to like be going through some stuff and want to now read this. Like, it's there for life. Like, as far as I'm concerned, when I have kids one day, like that book and those residuals will be continuously helping them out once I'm gone. Yeah, there's no expiration date on it. So I think launch week is like, you know, yeah. Do you want to sell books? Sure. But like, is it the end all be all? Absolutely not. Um, my, my stuff didn't become super successful until a year in, um, and you have to give yourself some grace in it not being successful right away. It takes time for people to discover things. It takes time for word of mouth to start. It takes time to really like have people start sharing what they now have like read and loved. I always thought, I I was so clear in my head. I was like, some big celebrity is going to find this book. They're going to read it. They're going to love it. They're going to post about it. And it's just going to take off like wildfire. That's the path. That's how it's going to happen. Never in a million years did I think, oh, I'm going to go and be successful on some stupid new social media app and it's going to blow up. And I had to be open to that. So you have to we're getting into a little far from self-publishing, but you have to decide in your life what your goal is and what you're trying to manifest and then let go of the expectations of how that's going to show up and happen for you. If you're like, this book is going to sell 500,000 copies and it's going to be super successful. However, it's going to happen universe, bring it to me. I'm open, but I know that's the end goal. And then you have to like release it and let it go. The more you try and like squeeze and hold on to something because you want it so badly, the more it like can't come to fruition for you. Yeah, that's good. That's so good. We've got a couple of final questions, kind of lightning round for you. Um, seven thousand over seven thousand reviews on the first book. Yeah. Nuts. <laughs> Anything you did specifically? I mean, besides sell a yeah. ton of yes. Such a good question because it's it's I, I want to pass it along to other self-published authors. So Whenever people would DM me on Instagram and message me about the book, and I still do this till this day, um, and you know, say how much it affected them and how thankful they are, whatever like the the amazing message is, I I read every single message that comes in. And it, if it sounds exhausting, it is like it's it's a lot. Um, but I read every message that comes in. And then I respond to them in an authentic way and like say, thank you so much and like comment on whatever they said. And then after that, I say, also, thank you for taking this journey with me. It would mean so much to me if you had a second to drop a review on Amazon or Goodreads. It helps a ton. And nine times out of 10, everybody is more than happy to do that after you know, you've taken the time to like respond to them and have a conversation with them. Um, and it's, 
it's just asking. I've never had someone like push back on that. Who knows if everybody actually goes and does it, but half the time they don't even think of that. They're like, Oh, mm. right. Like that's mm. such an easy thing that I can go do. That'll take me like five minutes or less. Um, so I totally recommend doing that. And it's really just a matter of like staying in touch with the people that reach out to you that read. Um, it's always a good idea to ask, you know, your first round of readers that you send to, um, to write a review once the book is live. But, um, yeah, that's, that's been the, the main thing that I've gone and done. I've also like, sometimes when I'm doing Q and A's on my Instagram, um, I'll put up a thing that's like also reminder if you want to send me any type of like, thank you, or like you appreciate the content I'm putting out, the best gift you can give me is going and leaving a review on the book or the podcast. That's cool. That's cool. I like that a lot. And you broke up just a little bit on the, on the messaging back to people. So did you just say, oh, yeah. are you asking, you said, are you asking them to copy and paste or, Hey, can you leave? No, that no, 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 no. Yeah. So once they, once they DM you, like read whatever they wrote, have like a little exchange with them. Thank you so much for taking the journey with me. Also, it would really, I would really appreciate if you had like five minutes to go drop a review on Amazon or Goodreads, it really helps a ton. And they're cool. usually like, so happy to go do that. Nice. That makes sense. And one thing I've heard from authors and, and kind of similar. And one thing that we, we, we talk about is like, if someone says this book's amazing, say, Hey, would you mind copying and pasting that here? Yeah. Right. <laughs> just right. like, all right, there's no barrier. <laughs> like what you just said, put it here. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. And do you do a short link for the reviews at all? I don't. I usually literally just say, if you have a second cool. to yeah. drop a review on Amazon or Goodreads, I feel like it's more authentic that way. Like yeah. if they're not going to go and do it, they're not going to go and do it. But I feel like sending the link is like a little bit like here. Um, sure. And, sure. and you know, I've seen really good results with it. And normally, especially because of my book specifically, like it's such a journey that people go on. So they really feel like they're my best friend when they're done reading it. Um it's like not the biggest ask for them to, to be like, yeah, like go take a couple minutes and drop a review real quick. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, last couple of questions for running out of time. You, I feel like you're just looking at your book, looking at your site, all that. You're really good at marketing. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> Where did you learn that from? And any tips for people who want to be, especially like outside the box marketing? Like that's what I respect a lot about kind of just seeing your branding and your site and your books and all that. It's just like, it's, it's different. It's attention catching and it's outside of the box. Like Thank any you. tips for people? Um, God, uh, I, I, as far as like the books, when I had a very clear idea and vision of like what I wanted the covers to look like, I went, I shot with a photographer and then I hired an incredible cover designer. Her name is Murphy Ray. She does all of Colleen Hoover's books. She's like extremely affordable and she's done all of my covers and I send her the pictures and I'm like something pink with like, you know, some pizzazz. And she comes back with these incredible designs. I always recommend if you're self-publishing, hire a cover designer, hire a formatter, hire an editor. Do not skip that step. Like, please, if you're going to spend money anywhere, spend it on an editor. Um, but as far as the marketing, it's it's kind of just been my vision the whole time. And I've been like, what's going to be eye-catching to people? Um, what are things that are going to stand out? Like if if I put a book on a shelf, like what's a title and an mm. image that's going to grab me? Um, yeah. 
I feel like publishing companies lean so much towards like the the cool font with like an <laughs> obscure background. And I'm like, what is that? No, like let's put me in a tank top, drinking some wine with like a passport and divorce papers flying over my face. That's something that people are going to be like, what's that? <laughs> That's super smart. Super smart. Super smart. Well, Gabrielle, this has been awesome. A uh, lot, a lot of fun. Very, uh, very insightful. Where can people go uh, to buy your book, to find out more about your uh, what you're up to, all that good stuff? Yeah. Thank you for having me again. This was great. I don't get to talk about this stuff all that often. So it was really fun for me. Um, the books are both exclusively available on Amazon because I self-published. Um, so the first one is Eat, Pray, FML. The, si- the sequel to that is The Ridiculous Misadventures of a Single Girl. I also self-published a self-love healing journal called F off, I'm healing. Uh, so that's available on Amazon too. You can also get all three of those signed personally by me on my website, which is eatprayfml.com. That's also where we have all the podcast merch and all of like all the info of everything. Um, if you want to check out my TikTok videos and steal some ideas for your content, please feel free. It's at Gabrielle underscore stone. And I'm also really active on Instagram and often do like Q and A's and stuff on there. Uh, if people have any questions, they can, of course, DM me and reach out. Um, and that's at Gabrielle Stone. That's awesome. And I love the the trio signed copy idea. And we didn't even get, I'm like, I, I just realized <laughs> I had questions I want to ask about the podcast. We didn't even get to talk about the podcast. So this was awesome. Uh, Gabrielle, thank you so much. Oh, you're so welcome. I want to say one last thing about for people when they're looking um, and they see a bad review. This has like been my saving grace. Go to your absolute favorite book that is like very, very popular, beloved by so many. You know, I I went to Eat, Pray, Love when I first got my first horrible scathing review. Go to their one-star reviews. People are insane. Art is a vulnerable, subjective medium. Do not feel bad when those come in. You have to have the bad reviews in order for people to write the amazing ones. So don't let those get you down. That's awesome. And it's a, remember, it's a review on the book, not a review on you as a person, <laughs> which it feels like a review on you as a person. You know, <laughs> when you're writing about something as deeply personal as I'm writing about, I mean, I've had reviews where people are like, she's terrible. She's an entitled, Title. spoiled brat. Like she needs to crawl under a rock and die. So trust me, whatever reviews you guys are getting, I've gotten worse, but go yeah. to your favorite book and read the one-star reviews. It will instantly make you feel better. <laughs> I, I love that. We celebrate the one-star reviews like in our community when someone gets their first one-star review, it's a celebration because that means that. you're reaching people besides your grandma and your mom and your friends. <laughs> it's that's your, the book is officially doing something, right? Yes. It's getting out there where people might not like it. I absolutely love that. I'm I'm in support of that. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, hey guys, check out the book um, or the books. She's got the trio set on her site, like she mentioned, as well as the podcast. Gabrielle, thanks again. Yeah, thank you for having me. Thank you so much for watching or listening to this episode of the Self-Publishing School Podcast. I know there's so many places that you can be spending your time. There's other podcasts that you can be listening to, YouTube channels that you can be watching. Uh, So thank you so much. It means the world. Now, I want you to do three things right now if you found this episode All right, number one, I don't know if you know this, but we've got a YouTube channel. It's a companion channel to this podcast. All the video versions of the episode are on the YouTube channel. So number one, subscribe to the YouTube channel. 
Number two, if you're listening to this podcast wherever, whether this is Spotify, Apple Podcasts, number two, I want you to subscribe to this podcast right now so you don't miss a future episode. Uh, And then number three, this is probably the most important, uh, leave a review on the podcast. All right, reviews are super important and help the podcast get discovered by other people. Uh, So number three, leave a review on the podcast. Thank you so much. I'll see you in the next episode. If you're on the fence about scheduling a publishing consultation call with my team, maybe you're not quite ready uh, for that, I've got some free training that I think will be really helpful for you. All right, all you have to do is go to register to sign up. Go to selfpublishing.com forward slash free training. When you do, you're also going to get a free digital copy of my new book, Published. And on that training, you're going to learn the next step, so how to implement with your book. So how to write, how to publish, how to launch successfully. So go to register right now at selfpublishing.com forward slash free training. I'll see you there.